If you have a Bible, I'm going to invite you to John chapter number 15. John chapter number 15. And uh, this is our, our third week in, the, uh, in John chapter 15 where Jesus said that I am, the, I am the true vine and that you are the branches and that call he has to abide in me. The first week t- together we, we was nothing more than just an overview of the first 11 verses throughout uh, John chapter 15 where we, where we remind ourselves of that call to abide is so important because, well, it's, it's such a natural instinct for us to abandon. Abandon Christ. Sometimes we're abandoning him, uh, looking for our own pursuits, uh, our own desires, our own wants, and sometimes we abandon him as we, well, as we pursue doing very good things for him. When the call is to live not for Christ, but to live with Christ. And that's so easy for our minds to forget. Have you ever fallen into the trap where believing that working extra hours to provide more for your family is more important than enjoying time with your family? Uh, I, I, I know so many times in, in my life that uh, as our children were younger, Jamie had to lovingly share with me, you know, Brian, you've been at work all day and you're trying to bring that home. And I know you're thinking, well, let me be as good of a, a worker as I can to provide for our family. But when those kids come up to you and say, Dad, will you go play a catch with me? Will, will you go toss a football with me? Dad, let's play a game together. At that moment, what those Children are saying that I don't really care what you can do for me as much as what you'll do with me and That's what Christ desires for us and Last Sunday we looked at at why Jesus declared himself in verse 1 to be the true vine and We looked back in Isaiah chapter 5 at the failed vine of Israel and the the judgment that the gardener Declared after seeing that all of his labor only produced wild grapes and asked the question What more could have been done? And I believe that's the same question that millions, in fact, billions of people one day will will most likely have to answer as they stand before the God for their judgment when he says, what more could I have done? My creation displays the existence of a creator. My heavens display the glory of that creator. My son came to earth with the message that this creator loves you so much that he was willing to die to give you a way to him. My sovereignty has placed people in your lives to point you to me. My word reminds you how much I love you and my people, the church. They offer friendships and relationships to to point your hearts to me. And yet, unbelievers continue to declare, I don't need God. I can do this on my own. Look at my good works, to which God declares wild grapes. Wild grapes. Today, I want to return to the truth that we began to look at last Sunday. And and this is it. It's it's fruit-bearing not only requires my attention, I'm sorry, fruit bearing not only requires my connection to the vine, but also the attention of the vine dresser. Fruit bearing not only requires my connection to the vine, but also the attention of the vine dresser. 
And Trent, if you might mind helping me out just a moment, we're going to read uh, the first two verses of, of John chapter 15. Because I, what I want you to do is I want you to notice what Jesus immediately says after he introduces himself as the true vine. He introduces himself. It's okay, Micah. I'm good. Uh, the, as the true vine and then God as the, the vine dresser. This is what he says in John chapter 15, verse number one. He says this. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. We're going to stop with just those two verses this morning because our focus is going to be on the, the work of the vine dresser. And here's what we have to understand that while Jesus strengthens, think through that, Jesus strengthens the branch internally as we abide in him, the vine dresser strips the branch externally through his pruning we have the connection to the vine to abide and it is through jesus through the vine that we find strength and yet it is through the external work of the vine dresser where stripping occurs but we need both and I'm going to be honest and transparent with you today. Probably about 80% of what I sh will share with you has been found somewhere else. I've read lots of uh, books and commentaries and messages and guys like John Piper and Tim Keller and J.D. Greer and, and even a, a book Pastor Mike gave me from a missionary named Bud McCord. And, and all I'm really doing is, is, is I'm going to do my best to take these ingredients and kind of present a clear truth to you. But I'm going to guarantee about 80% of what I share is is absolutely from somebody else and i just don't know how to give credit to all these different guys as we go through it and as we look at a subject of pruning pruning what's what's the point of being pruned if i'm already abiding in christ and bearing fruit why do i have to be pruned if, if I am abiding in Christ and resting in who Christ desires for me to be, and if he strengthens me, and if he produces the fruit that I bear, why does pruning of the vine dresser even have to occur? But the answer is in verse number two. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Oh, that makes complete sense. I get why I get why the father would need to come to the branches that weren't producing fruit and cut them away But why the pruning of the branches that are doing exactly what they're supposed to do? He says in every branch that does bear fruit he prunes Why? That it may bear more fruit I heard tim keller share a, a, a story of, of talking to a gardener once and he said that if you were to if an uninformed visitor were to come to a vineyard after the gardener has gone through and pruned they'd be very surprised surprised because not only would there be dead branches on the ground but the branches would be littered i'm sorry the ground would be littered with branches that had life in them full of green leaves in fact you would find branches that had already started to produce fruit littered all over the ground and an uninformed person might think that the gardener had actually destroyed the vine but that would not be true the gardener instead was carefully pruning and cutting to prepare the branches for a new growing season by removing anything that could get in the way 
of bearing new fruit. Because as the gardener approaches each vine, he's not simply content with the fact that the, that the branches are connected to the vine. As he looks at each branch, he thinks, how can this produce the fruit and bring the harvest that I desire one day? And when it comes to our vine dresser, our vine dresser, the Father, is committed to one purpose in our lives. His harvest is to make us more like Jesus. And if we don't see that, if we don't understand that truth, the work of the vine dresser makes no sense to us. It seems random. It definitely feels painful. And it seems to be just done at the whim of the vine dresser. And that's exactly how some view God. As we sometimes look up to God and say, what are you doing? And why are you doing this? And how could you even let something like this happen to me? And we shake a fist at the work of God because it seems to make no sense. It seems to be random. It seems to be so painful. And just because God wants to. But when we understand that the pruning work the very purpose of every pruning work of God in our lives is to make us more like Jesus than our outlook on the work of the vine dresser. It completely changes. Because as we sit there and say, well, this makes no sense to us, we're reminded that his ways are higher than our ways. And he, in his way, is molding me to make me more like Jesus. And while it may still seem random, we remind ourselves that, that God is working. He's working not randomly, but purposefully. All things together for our good. And that good is to make us more like Jesus. And it may be painful, but we remind ourselves that God's pruning is never to hurt us because as Romans 8, 1 reminds us that we're not under condemnation. He's not pruning us to hurt us. He's pruning us to help us. And help us what? Become more like Jesus. And as we more fully understand that truth that we started with, that fruit bearing, it not only requires my connection to the vine, but also the attention of the vine dresser, as we more fully understand that, we have to accept this truth. A decision to abide in Christ is also a decision to accept the pruning of the Father. I think I'm two slides ahead of you, Trent. A decision to abide in Christ is also a decision to accept the pruning of the Father. When we say, okay, then I'll abide. Okay, then I'll get my strength from you. What we are also saying is, not only will I stay connected to the vine, but I will accept, Father, the work of the vine dresser. 
Knowing that when God takes out his pruning shears, it may be painful to us, but he's not trying to hurt us. He's not trying to punish us. He's trying to prepare us for future growth, growth that we could never imagine. As Jericho mentioned, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, things we could never imagine his pruning work is preparing us for. And as Warren Wearsby said it very carefully, very clearly, Abiding Christians are often suffering Christians. When we choose to abide, we are choosing the pruning work of the vine dresser. And so what does the vine dresser desire to prune from our lives? What is he looking to do? First, the gardener looks to prune sinful sources of disease. Sin that causes disease. As we grow in our relationship with Christ, the Holy Spirit begins to speak clearer and and more directly about areas in our life where we are living contrary to his word, contrary to scripture that can threaten our growth as a branch. He'll speak through the word of God as you read, through time and prayer as you speak to him, and through the gathering of the church and through meaningful relationships that you have with one another. I'm going to take you to Matthew chapter number 7, if you have your Bible. Matthew chapter number 7. We're going to read a portion from the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus goes even a little bit deeper into this subject of of the fruit of the vine as he shares in Matthew 7, closing the, the great Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 7, verse number 15. This is what Jesus says. He says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Now we're not done reading, but but you notice how Jesus points out that the fruit we bear displays the type of branches we are. We can talk all we want to about vision. But when our branches bear no good fruit, we don't produce it, but when our branches bear no good fruit, the truth is revealed. And what Jesus says in the next few verses, verse 21, we'll we'll see this more clearly. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. It's not everyone who claims Jesus as their Lord is a true believer. It's only those who are living to accomplish the will of the Father as Jesus himself said, I've come not to do my will, but to do the will of the one who sent me. I'm not come to speak my words, but to speak his words. He is who I am here to represent. 
And, and even the good works that we do, in verse number 5 of John chapter 15, Jesus says this, apart from me, you could do nothing. Here's people bringing good works. But apart from Jesus, and he says, depart you, workers of lawlessness. And then Jesus turns his attention. And this is where we need to really key in on if you say, well, I believe I'm a true believer. Then, then these last few verses of this chapter, let's really key in on because Jesus is going to turn his attention to those who hear his words, which we all are. But what do we do once we hear them? Verse 24, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. It's not about hearing the word of God. Both builders heard. One acted upon what was heard. And I believe when we're confronted with our sin as we read the word of God, as we pray, as we gather in church, and as others influence our lives in this disciple-making community as a church, we're trying to build. When we hear and do nothing, we're just setting ourselves up for destruction. When God says, I want you to build on a foundation. And that's where I, I see in 1 John chapter 1, I'm not going to read it, but I want you to see it. Confession of sin is so important. See, because in 1 John chapter 1, we're see, we see this, God is light. And in him, it, I think it's the next verse. Yeah, God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. But if we say, if we say we have fellowship with him, like we say we have fellowship with him, but we walk in darkness, we lie. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And although I don't have it, you know the next verse. But if we confess our sins, oh, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is why as Christians, we don't go to a man. We don't go to a priest to say, take my confession to God. We bring our confession to God and we say, I am a sinner and my sin has distorted my relationship with you. And I don't want that. I want to be with you again. And I confess my sin. And as I confess my sin, Jesus forgives my sin and restores that relationship. And that gardener wants to prune anything, any sinful sources in my life that will dis bring disease and disrupt the relationship between the branch and the, the vine. But secondly, the gardener also, he wants to prune inferior sources of strength. I'm sorry, inferior sources of life. In his book, Counterfeit God, Tim Keller reminds us that Christians will often view sinful things as idols and miss many things that are very good, but we have made into gods. 
He says our, our hearts are idol factories that have the ability to produce idols of anything. As we look to someone or something for hope and security and trust and happiness over Jesus. And the gardener comes into our lives to prune the secondary sources of life that we have made primary in our lives. That we are turning to for life and for satisfaction when God says, I want to be your all. And when God prunes better things from our lives, when he prunes better things from our lives, like good things, better things, it's always to make room for the best things. And sometimes what needs to be pruned most are previous seasons of growth in our lives. You see, one of the greatest works of the vine dresser is to remind us as branches of who we are. We're branches and who Jesus is. He's the vine. Because in my own heart, and I'm not saying you do this, but I know what I do. In my own heart, once I see fruit being produced in me, on, on my branches, I have this tendency to, to believe, like what I did. So sorry, I lost my place. Look at the fruit that I produced. Forgetting that really all I did as a branch was to just simply stay connected to the vine. And it's one reason why our past growing seasons, they have to be pruned. And do you know that one of the greatest barriers in your life and in mine and in the church are past victories? See, we have this tendency to turn around and say, look at what we did. Forgetting that it's what he did. And there's this desire in Christians and in, in churches to recapture the past, forgetting that the, the God of the past is working in the present and preparing us for his work in the future. And sometimes when we hold on to the past, we reject the present pruning, which is the preparation for future growth. I know this is so true in my own life. It was 11 years ago, and, and this is not, I'm not patting myself on the back. It's simply talking to you, so forgive me if it comes across in that way. But about 11 years ago, uh, I it went on an extended fast. It was a 25-day fast that a group of men in our church, uh, we, des we decided to do it together. And, and I didn't walk in with the right motive. I didn't walk in with the, the right thinking. I didn't walk in with even the right preparation physically. Man, but God was so good. You know, during those three and a half weeks, I, I met with God in ways that are miraculous and that I have never experienced since then. That was 11 years ago, and I tell you, it was about six years ago. A few years after that, where I thought to myself, you know, I, I had this amazing spiritual experience with God and it, it came when I did this time of fasting and so I said what I'm going to do is I'm going to I'm going to have that time of fasting again because I want that connection with God again and I stepped into to a, an, another extended fast and I was halfway through and asking like what's different like God last time like I didn't do it right and I feel like this time I was trying to do it right and and 
and what's going on? Where are you? I've tried to set it up for you to, to come again. And as, as, as that was going through my mind, I realized I was trying to set up the past experience circumstances again, expecting God to show up when I didn't realize this. The first time I was pursuing him, this time I was waiting for him to pursue me. And I was like, God, I'm so sorry. And it, it was about, I don't know, I know I was halfway through that fast when all of a sudden something changed in my life and I realized that I was wanting the same experience that I had had in the past to show up in the present, but I wasn't pursuing God in the same way. And so for some here today, God may be pruning the past in order to produce a new growing season. The past where we find life, instead of abiding in the vine, will prevent us from seeing that growth. And then last, the gardener produces personal, he prunes personal sources of strength. As I just mentioned earlier, it becomes easy to believe that we possess the strength to produce the fruit that only the vine can produce. And God often uses unexpected and unwanted circumstances to expose our weakness. And again, there's something Jericho mentioned earlier, to show us our weakness in order for him to display his strength. And I can think of no greater picture in the Old, in, in the Old Testament than of, than of Joseph. If you're not familiar with Old Testament Joseph, he was the beloved son of his father, but hated by his brothers. And he received this coat of many colors and dreamed that one day his, his father and his mother and all of his brothers would bow down to him. And, and then Joseph is, is plotted to be murdered. He's traded to a group of men going to Egypt and he's sold into slavery there where he tries to protect his, his boss's marriage and ends up in prison we see we see pruning in joseph's life as there's rejection from his brothers as there's abandonment by his brothers we see pruning in joseph's life as he tries to do right and he receives injustice and more abandonment more isolation and yet even in prison as joseph continues to try to help people he finally thinks somebody's going to save me and when he helps somebody who leaves prison and promises to help get him out they fail and he's left alone and more pruning Yet through the process of being abandoned and isolated, of facing injustice and assumed being forgotten, God never left Joseph alone. Because we read in Genesis chapter 39 that the Bible says this many times that the Lord was with Joseph. Joseph had no idea what God was doing, but he did know that, but, he, but God knew exactly what he was doing. And because Joseph had chosen to abide, he also had to be pruned. And God was always strengthening for a harvest that God knew about that Joseph did not. And at the perfect fruit-bearing moment, God rescued Joseph from prison, promoted him to second-in-command of the entire world, and tasked him with caring for a worldwide famine. And eventually, Joseph comes face-to-face -face with his brothers. The ones who abandoned him, the ones who were responsible for the years of isolation and injustice. And when Joseph's brothers come to him thinking he's going to retaliate with hatred and anger and fury and revenge, you've got to hear what Joseph says. In Genesis chapter 15, or Genesis chapter 50, Joseph's looking at his brothers and he says this. 
But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear, I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Joseph forgave his brothers. But this is a greater story than just forgiveness. It's a, it's a greater story even than, than, than reconciliation and restoration. It's a story of recognition. Joseph recognized that the work of his brothers was actually the work of God in his life. On behalf of others And Joseph not only loved And forgave and provided for those Who brought the pain of pruning into his life But he loved their children And you gotta get this Joseph's fruit bearing He made possible uh, Sorry Joseph's fruit bearing That was made possible only through God's Intentional pruning It changed the landscape of the world Because Joseph was used to save his brothers And do you know who those brothers were? They were the heads of the 12 tribes of Israel. And you know who Israel was? God's vine. And even though they failed as a vine, as we saw in Isaiah 5, it was the stump that was cut off. The root of David would be raised up through God's faithfulness and the true vine would come through this nation of Israel that Joseph was used by God to give life to. But Joseph's, if you'll forgive me the term of salvation, Joseph's salvation of his brothers, and I mean that in a physical sense only, was only possible because he was willing to face rejection, isolation, abandonment, and injustice. And that does not sound like fun. But may I remind you that statement by Warren Wearsby, abiding Christians are often suffering Christians. And because Joseph chose to abide, he also chose to accept the pruning of God in his life. But as a result of accepting both, Joseph bore fruit that would satisfy the world and produce a seed that would result in the true vine. You, do you clearly see the connection between Joseph and Jesus? Both loved by their father and hated by their brothers. Both sold for pieces of silver, lied about and suffered injustice. Both ended up forgiving though and loving and blessing and providing for those who were responsible for their hurts. Joseph to his brothers and Jesus to us as he forgives us of the sins that took him to the cross. But there's one tremendous difference between Jesus' life and Joseph's life. The abiding of Joseph and the pruning of God in his life took him to the palace. He was second in command and provided bread for the whole world during a famine. And I think if we all knew that at the end of this pruning process that God would put us in the palace, like we would endure it. The pain, we would take it. Because the palace is coming. But the abiding of Jesus and the pruning of the Father in, in his life didn't take him to a palace, it took him to a cross. 
isolated from his father and the only one that mattered. Shamefully slaughtered for sin he was innocent of. And yet his acceptance of the father's pruning provided bread for the world, but not physical bread, spiritual, eternal bread, and would provide the only way to the father. So I believe it'd be very wise for us to understand a little bit more, a little go a little bit deeper than this statement behind us, but that the reason, the reason abiding Christians are often suffering Christians is because the vine dresser is at work pruning us to be more like Jesus. And he carried a cross. So when the vine dresser prunes and our lives suffer the difficulties, and we all know it's to make us more like Jesus. And what do I think when prosperity gospel preachers stand up to, and say, if you're living a life that God is pleased with, you'll be blessed beyond all measure. When people stand up and say, oh, you, you should live your best life now. Just name it and claim it. And how does that fit into the work of the vine dresser who is pruning and stripping me? To strengthen my connection to the vine in order to make me more like Jesus. And so what? So what does that mean for us as we close? Just these brief thoughts. That God's pruning is all about our preparation, not our correction. Others will sometimes try to make that connection. You remember Job. Job's friends accused him of doing wrong, and Job knew he was innocent of their charges. And there are times in our life where we need correction, but God's pruning is not about correction. It's always about preparation. But it's often hard to recognize because God's pruning is not usually accompanied with an explanation. We often look for a why when difficult circumstances in our lives arise. But, but see, when God is pruning, when God is pruning, we don't need a why. Ha! We already have the answer. When he's pruning, he's making me more like Jesus. He's preparing me to bear more fruit. And we'll know that last because God's pruning is accompanied with his peace and his power. When you go through something difficult that leaves you saying, I don't understand the peace that I have, I should be riled up, that is a great indicator that God is at work pruning because there is a peace that passes understanding in our moments of weakness when his strength is perfected. And so when God prunes your strength and we become weak, but if we know our Bibles, that's a really good thing. Because as 2 Corinthians 12, 9, Paul said, My grace, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me.
Paul, I will glory in the pruning work of the vine dresser. Paul, the apostle who says, I've already chosen to abide in the vine. I, I want to abide. I know that's where my strength is, but I will also accept whatever pruning work the vine dresser needs to do in me. So cut off and I will find glory as you weaken me because I know you are forming me to be more like the vine. And here, oh, I read this in a book two weeks ago. I have been waiting to share this with you. In a vineyard, it is said that the oldest branches reach a place where they look just like the vine that produced them. Each time they are pruned, they go deeper into the vine to survive. And when they are done with their time of bearing fruit in the vineyard, they are absorbed into the vine to let another branch appear in its place. Prune me. Because every time you swipe something from me that I think that I need, it forces me one direction, and that's to find more strength in the vine and to go deeper into the vine and to become more a part of the vine so that one day, one day I know every one of us here will not be here. One day when I'm dead, I hope, I hope that somebody could say, you know what? I saw God work in his life. And he just went deeper into Christ. And it's because of the work of God in the lives of people around me who reminded me of Jesus, I want to be a fruit-bearing branch too. Oh, could you... Do you imagine that, some of you? As your years, as those years of serving Christ continue to rise, to just be absorbed more and more and more into the vine until one day the branch just becomes a part of the vine so that new branches can be formed. Only, though, if we not only abide in the vine, but if we accept the work of the vine dresser so that one day as galatians 2 says and i'm done paul said i have been crucified with christ and here's what he said i don't even live anymore christ lives in me and the life that i do live because it's me who is alive the life i do live i live by faith in the son of god who gave himself for me. Would you pray with me? Father, I just simply would ask today as, as I know that, that this year has been a pruning work in each of our lives and in very different ways. Pruning individuals. I know you're pruning families. You're pruning churches. You're pruning our nation. God, I pray that you would continue to do the work but I pray that you would be welcome I pray that work would be welcomed it's, 
it's not going to be fun and it's not going to be exciting. We know that it's awful, awful painful. But we know the ultimate end is for you to make us more like Jesus. And so I pray that this work, this pruning work the vine dresser must do for us to bear more fruit. God, I pray that it would be wanted and desired by this church. And church, with your heads bowed and eyes closed, could you just take a moment and is there unconfessed sin in your life right now? Because God wants to prune those sinful sources of disease right out. He, he wants to remove anything that would, would suffer that connection to the vine. If there's unconfessed sin in your life, would you take time right now and would you just express it to God? He, he already knows about it. Would you confess it and knowing that he will forgive? Is there their past victories in your life? Are you looking back at what God has done rather than what God is doing and what God wants to do? And are we willing to let God get personal and strip away from us whatever needs to be taken so we could continue to go deeper and deeper into who Jesus is? Would you take just a moment and speak to the Lord about where you are? Is your branch becoming more and more like the vine? Are you going deeper and deeper to find strength in life? Yes, we abide. But we must also accept the pruning work of the vine dresser. Never to hurt 